Welcome to Avatar with Academics. My name is Sam Mulberry, and I have never watched Avatar The Last Airbender. And I'm Annie Berglund, and I have watched it before. Annie, we have made it to Book 3 Fire, Chapter 12, The Western Air Temple. Um, we were just talking a little bit uh, a little bit off air, and we always try to stop ourselves from doing that, because it's like, we'll just leave it, leave it for the show. But we were talking a little bit about kind of what this episode is about and why and how this episode functions in um in the arc of in the arc of the sort of larger avatar story because there's a degree to which like not a lot happens in terms of pushing the plot forward but uh, to me this is a lot about kind of aligning some things because we left our last episode we kind of shook up we shook up some things we had characters in motion moving in different directions and then this episode felt like well now we have this new collection of characters this new team and now we need to make sense out of that a little bit um and especially thinking about zuko who has chosen to be part of this team now trying to actually be part of the team Um, yeah yeah it's it's interesting too because i don't know i I looked up, so before every time we record, I'll, like, go on Avatar Wiki, I'll, like, check out Reddit threads of people doing rewatches, and it seems like a lot of people really love this episode, but there's just, um, there's maybe not as much, there's a ton of continuity, right? Like, we hear about so many different moments we've already seen, but there's not as much maybe uh, like illusions or like questions left dangling at the end of the episode. Like it wraps up very well. I also think it's an interesting one because we've spent so long in the fire nation and though we're nearby the fire nation, like I'm not really sure we don't get to see a map. um, We are now in air nomad territory and we stay there. Like you said, like there's not a lot of movement. It's um, just, sitting in this like neutral or even peaceable area uh which is a definitely a tone shift uh and and it slows down a lot more but in a good way in a good way what excites me to hear that there is that this is a beloved episode but maybe there's not a lot of great discourse on it because i we could maybe speak into that a little bit because i actually i loved this episode and i think this episode plays with some ideas that i'm that i'm particularly very interested in um let me ask you this as we get into Mm. this uh do you have a good memory (laughs) no i feel like we've established that (laughs) i don't okay and let me let me rephrase it i don't mean do you have a good memory for facts or dates or names or things like this but do Mm. you have a good memory of the story of your life the events in your life ah sure I think I know where you're going. I, um, it depends. I feel some things very strongly. <laughs> so I can, I can recall and remember uh, times of intense emotion very well. And mm-hmm. I can bring those back. Um, I don't, man, I don't know if I'm someone who holds grudges. <laughs> I feel like maybe, maybe I do. Um, I, I certainly remember my own mistakes really uh, very vividly. And um, so this episode's a little bit fun for that as well. Yeah, I I would say ultimately to me, this episode is so much about uh, memory, like our individual memory. Now we've had, we've had things about kind of collective memories, the weight of history, these types of things. This episode is far more personal, which is I think Mm -hmm. why it's also on such a smaller geographic scale. It is about individuals wrestling with, 
regret, mm-hmm. forgiveness, grudges, traumas, all of these things that they can't let go of, and what memory, what what holding on to those memories, what that ends up meaning. Mm-hmm. There's a great line in the the movie Memento. Um, where the, I mean, this is a character who can't make new memories, but has these old memories, right, of his wife who who had died. And <clears throat> there's a great line where he's a great moment where he's burning some objects that belong to her. Mm. And you know, because he can't make new memories, he's talking to himself and he says, "I wonder how many of your things I've burned in the past. Like, how many times have I done this?" And he says, "I can't remember to forget you." Um, and th- this this episode strikes me as a version of that, which is like what they need, what they kind of need to do um, is to learn to, if not forgive, forget some of these things. There's there's though the weight of memory is really heavy. Both memory of things they've done, uh, particularly Zuko's done to our characters, but also Zuko wrestling with memories of his own life. We're going to see some Zuko flashback here. So there's that. And I think that's really powerful. The other thing, and this is even a little more meta because this is pulling outside of the show, thinking of itself as a show. Um, this is clearly a show that's uh, aware of it, of that it's turning towards home. I mean, it, this is episode mm-hmm. 12 uh, of this season. There's only 20 se- episodes to the season. So they're, they're moving towards home. There's only eight after this. Um, and this is a show that was not built for streaming audiences. This is kind of pre-streaming. So um, part of what they're doing is they're dealing with the fact that the Avatar audience, I was doing, I did a little bit of research myself very carefully with Avatar. I was looking at Avatar ratings because I was curious, like, was this show popular like when it was on Nickelodeon? Turns out it was pretty wildly popular on Nickelodeon um, for its age demographic. It just like it crushed um, in the like six to eleven age demographic, and then it did well beyond that. Um, it started with about three point one million viewers per episode, but by the time you get to the end, it's like five point six. Okay. Okay. Those and numbers, again, those numbers ahead. to me are I, I kind of I can't even really fathom that. That's pretty popular. Yeah. Right, and and it doesn't it doesn't even it doesn't even matter like is three point one a good number or not? Just the fact that it started at three point one and it grew, it almost sure. doubled, right? Doubled, yeah. So again, so we think about this as a show that's not bingeable, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's it's pre-streaming. So I think as they're turning towards home, they also are aware that maybe not everybody's seen everything. Mm-hmm. So this is, this episode is so conscious about, let us remind you who Zuko is. Cause if you, if you started watching just this season, you have one view of Zuko, right? Mm-hmm. But if you go back and watch season two, you have another view. If you watch season one, you have another view. And what's interesting is we see Toph in this episode, play the character of somebody who hasn't seen season one. Yep. Cause she doesn't yep. come tell season two. And, she keeps like they keep having to tell her about stuff or she makes that she makes references to that. So she is sort of Toph serves as the stand in for the person who started watching Avatar in season two or three, like knew it yes. was popular, started watching, but might not know all of the history. So it's also she's also there to to stand in for that. So I think I think that is so consciously part of this episode. That's a really good observation. And it also reminds me of something I did read, which is um this episode came out after an eighth 
eight month hiatus. And so all of the audience was also waiting in limbo uh, for what's going to happen next. And if you think about the last episode, we have a failure, a series of failures on the side of the Aang gang. Um, and then you have uh, Iroh breaking free. You have Zuko denying his father and, and leaving, kind of fleeing. Um, and so there's just a lot uh, left there. And I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure they were like, we have a lot to catch you up on in case you don't remember um, eight months ago where we, we last landed. Was that um, the Hollywood writer's strike? Was that why? It might have been. It I don't feels about what... the right time for that. Right, like 2008-ish? 7, maybe? 8, yeah, somewhere yeah, there. It really, it very well could have been. Um, so, and then, um, I also read that they had planned to do a B plot, but they just didn't have time. And it makes sense because this episode does have a lot in it. And, uh, and so I'll let you know, like where the B plot was supposed to be once. Do you know what it is? Don't tell me, but do you, oh, great. Okay. I can't wait for that. So let's, let's dive into the episode. Cause again, I think this is a a particularly, uh, particularly good one. Um, so the episode opens with our gang now expanded. So we have Aang, Sokka, Katara, Toph, Momo, Appa, but also Teo, the Duke and Haru. And they're all on an exhausting walk through a pretty desolate terrain. And they just look like they all want to just collapse. (laughs) Uh, And they're still dressed in what they were wearing for the battle. So Sokka still has the like wolf helmet on. Uh, And Katara says, this is humiliating. And Sokka says, do you mean getting thoroughly spanked by the fire nation or having to walk all the way to the Western air temple? And Katara says both. And then at this point we have Aang, uh, kind of apologize to everyone that Appa is too tired and can't carry all these people because now there's more people. And I'm so glad that they addressed this mm. because um, what that I think that's pointing to is to say like in these last eight episodes, since we have this bigger group of people, like we're not going to be traversing the globe. Yeah. I think, I think they're going to not be able to move very much. And, and Appa always has the potential to be this kind of like thing that can break the show. If you can always just fly anywhere and get places really quick. So I feel like, like even in that line, we're feeling the burden of, yeah, we have this bigger team, but a bigger team also puts limitations on us. Yeah, absolutely. And it helps with series continuity too. Cause we think back to like bitter work and I believe that's the episode where, Appa's at his, like, he he just can't go any further, right? And he adds... It's the chase. Is, is it, oh, the, the chase, chase. Thank you. Yes, yes the chase. Um, they have Toph on the team now. Like, there's just more to deal with. And so, like, it wouldn't feel right if Appa would be able to just fly them wherever. Right, right. And, and, and uh, yeah, and I, and I think this... I'm, I'm so fascinated to watch this episode to be like, well, how are they going to deal with this, with this new team? And, you know, these are characters that we've met in passing but not that we don't know really really well uh so as they're walking haru comments that the rest of the troops are probably on their way to prison and he says it seems like my dad's uh, my dad just got out and now he's going back in and this made me wonder i wrote in my notes is he just going to be a bummer like is haru going to be like because like the first thing we hear from him is this now he's not wrong um and it's you know I, he actually is expressing a very true, real, sincere sentiment. But like, what? Like, I realized, like, oh, they took this group on, but they don't really know these people, and we yeah. don't really know these people. 
Yeah, like, is he just going to be an Eeyore that just cannot have any joy in his life? Like, very well could be. Yeah, they've definitely seeded that here. Um, So we see Toph's foot hit the ground with a hard thud, and she announces joyfully that she can feel that they've arrived. And we see that they're standing on the edge of some cliff overlooking this huge, deep canyon, and there's clearly no air temple in sight. We've been to all of the other air temples, and they're up on top of mountains. And Mm. it's just like, this is not what it should look like. Uh, But Aang announces that she's right there here. And then we see the camera pan down. This is one of the coolest shots. The camera pans down to the cliff face to show that below them, carved into the cliff wall, is the air temple. Mm. And I just thought as I was looking at this, like, I just want an open world avatar video game. Because, like, how cool would it be to get to a point where you discover... You're, you're yes. at this place, and you if you go down this canyon, there's, like, this temple built into the side of the wall. I just want it. Right, and if your character was an airbender, you could just fly from temple to temple, like... Because these temples are, like, upside down, suspended in air, basically. I mean, like, built on the bottom of the cliff. It's like such it, cool design. Yeah, oh my gosh, it, yes. Um, and it made yeah it makes me want to have like a movie set there or like some kind of world that i can explore it's beautiful okay you said have a movie set there like i see a set like this and it actually makes me um just slightly sad that the m night Shyamalan didn't get to the the third installment because i would because the sets were pretty great in that movie Mm. i would have loved to have seen this air temple like not animated but but right fully realized yeah yeah like there's whispers of a netflix series for avatar and like ooh, if that I think, was the case yeah i is, think some of is, that stuff's happening i don't I, okay. I don't i don't know anything i don't work for netflix but <laughs> i think the whole avatar studios thing is pointing to probably a lot more animated and i just think there is because they almost did it they almost did mm. like a, a live action thing which means there's constantly this move to say what if what if they got it right? Because that Avatar live action movie, although it's terrible, made a lot of money. So there, yeah. I think there is this sense that like if we did it right, it could be it could be a big franchise. Right. And now at this point, um, is this the last of the Air Temples we've seen? Because we saw this, or we've seen flashbacks of the Southern Air Temple, and they visited, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, we've seen them all. I think right. Yeah, and I do like how they're all kind of different. They all like they're not. It's not just like another version of the same thing. Well, which one's your favorite? Is it uh, this one? <clears throat> this one is pretty cool. I, I I really I like it because it's it it subverts some. I literally it subverts even what's up and down. Um, I love how the buildings grow like like stalactites out of the top of the cliff wall and and yeah. grow down the sad part is we don't get to we don't get to explore it that much in this yeah. episode we're mostly on the outside but yeah i think this one's pretty great how about you right? it, i think this one too it reminds me of and, and like the kind of the scenery around it it looks like the grand canyon or it looks like um uh the the old um like the runes that are deep down in canyons in the american southwest uh, mm-hmm. from like first nations yeah i think yeah. it, it like just the mesa looks- yeah Yes, it, That's uh, super cool. it's so fun. So uh, we cut to a shot of a rope coming down in front of the temple, and we see a figure rappelling down to the temple. Uh, and eventually we realize that it's Zuko, 
that's going into the temple. And we see him look at a huge Air Nomad statue, and then we fade into a flashback. So it was so exciting to see that, because you know Zuko's behind them, and he's in this blimp. But then you realize, well, if they stop flying, that doesn't mean he has to stop flying. So he actually could be out ahead of them. Um, so I was really excited to see him there because I realized we're not going to wait at all to see Zuko and um, and the Ang gang connect. Yeah. So we cut to a flashback uh, and we see we hear Iroh say, say, what a stunning view. And we see that Iroh and Zuko are standing at the Western Air Temple and the days following Zuko's banishment. His eye is still like patched up from the Agni Kai. Um, and Zuko says, the only view I'm interested in is seeing the Avatar in chains. Now, they did a great job of making Zuko even sound like the young Zuko. Like the, the voice actor does a good job because he has evolved. But this sounds like the way he talked uh, in season one. And Iroh says, you know, the Avatar hasn't been seen for 100 years. The chances of finding him here are very slim. And Zuko says, first we'll check each of the air temples. Then we'll scour the world, searching even the most remote locations until we find him. Iroh says, Prince Zuko, it's only been a week since your banishment. You should take some time to heal and rest. And Zuko says, what else would I expect to hear from the laziest man in the Fire Nation? The only way to regain my honor is to find the Avatar. So I will. And we see Iroh walk away. And we cut back to present day Zuko. And we see that, I mean, he's the one having this flashback. This is his memory. And this is one of my favorite moments in the show is there's sort of this groan and he kind of grabs his, the bridge of his nose. And it's just like, you can see he is, he is traumatized by the memory of who he was. Mm. Like, like, and I, I've had so many moments like this in my life, these moments of regret to say, how could I not have understood? How could I have said that to Iroh? Because he doesn't know where Iroh is. He doesn't know if he'll ever see Iroh again. And he's mm -hmm. like, I, how could I? He was right there in front of me telling me the truth. And I kind of just dismissed it. Yeah. There's this um, TikTok trend, Sam, mm -hmm. <laughs> where uh, people will play this song. And it's like, I woke up in the middle of the night, can't get these this like embarrassing thing out of my head. It just keeps spiraling and spiraling. And then the trend is like after that song plays, they show the video or the picture of them doing an epic fall down something or like dressing up at school in an awkward way or like some one of their shameful moments that like when you're when it's the middle of the night and you wake up, what's that thing that you can't get out of your mind that you wish you hadn't done. And then uh, so like this even plays off to me as like one of those TikTok trends. Like it looks like you could just layer the music on and like put it on there and it would get it would get likes. Uh, but it, it's definitely something that I mean, I think narratively it's really fun and well done that this is one of the first places that Zuko checks for the avatar after he is banished. Um, so like he goes to all of the air temples first, obviously he's going to go to the one that's closest to the, the fire nation capital and then move to uh, each other subsequent one. So like we can assume this is probably the first place that he looks for Aang. And then for this to be the place that he found it, like, years later uh and when you i mean like when i go back to a place that has a lot of heavy memories for me or seems like the start of a journey it, it's like so weighty that it, 
I like feel physically tired, you know, like, like it feels like I have lived a life. And so like, I think they did a really good job of, of showing that in that groan and just kind of this whole episode. It's like, he feels, I mean, there's like a lightness to him because obviously he's thrown off some of this like baggage that he has, but at the same time, a heaviness of like, I went through a lot and maybe I didn't even like, he would probably say he had to do it, but like he could have done something or he could have listened to Iroh or you know what I mean? Right. Right. No. And that, that's how regret works is like, it's like I had to do all those things to be where I'm at right now, but it just, you you keep thinking, couldn't I have just learned the lesson without all the, I mean, that's not how learning works though. And that's not (laughs) how our, our stories work, but, but it's a real poignant moment. And it's definite. What I like is it's the, the sort of thing that makes him, grown in is not it's not i mean it's embarrassing to him but it's not something embarrassing like falling down the stairs or i can't believe mm-hmm. i used to have that haircut which is an embarrassing haircut maybe to him um he's got a much i like his haircut better now <laughs> um but it's more like i i it's more regret and i mean the the things that haunt me are often the things that i have said to people not thinking mm-hmm. about it and then it's just like i can't get those things out of my head sometimes 20 years later i still think about like oh why did i say that that you know mm-hmm. like so so i i really like that the other thing is when he's talking to iroh in that memory when he says you know we'll check the air temples then we'll we'll scour the world searching even the remote most remote locations until we find him it makes me think of where we first meet zuko scouring about as remote of a location <laughs> as you could like why bother going to like the the southern water tribe south pole like there's nobody there yeah you know and you just think like if you were somebody who was on that ship you had to be thinking like what what are we doing in this frozen wasteland i mean it makes sense for like why he had issues with some of the crewmates wanting to mutiny yeah (laughs) like you are bringing us through icebergs trying to find the avatar so we see we see Zuko wrestle with this uh, with this memory, and then we hear Appa growl, and Zuko hides while Appa brings the gang down to the air temple, and then he runs off so as to not be seen. Um, from here, we cut to a scene of the the whole gang around the fountain at the temple, and the fountain is kind of the central location for this episode. It's in a in an exterior part of the temple, kind of on this ledge that juts out, and this is where. This is kind of their like hangout space, their communal hangout space in the um, uh, in the in the air temple. Uh, and Teo says it's so different than the northern air temple. I wonder if there are any uh, any secret rooms. And Haru says in a in a way that makes him seem much younger than he looks. I'm so so happy because my the first thing he says is like, oh, is he going to be Eeyore? But then he just seems like a kid and he's like, oh, we should go check it out. And Teo and the Duke uh, go after him. And um, So this was going to be the B plot, Sam. Okay. They were going to have like the four of, or the three of them? Three, three. of them. Um, just like traveling around through the, the Western Air Temple, which sounds really cool. Like you could show some beautiful shots. But also, I understand why it's not really necessary. <laughs> That's so interesting because I looked at this and thought, 
oh, oh, they are conveniently saying, how do we get rid of excess characters? Because like we want to have this really meaningful thing about the weight of history, and we just picked up three characters who don't have any of this history. So it's like it feels like a Scooby Doo solution of like, oh, you guys go check over there, and then they're just gone. Yeah, like yep. they are barely in this episode. Um, so I, I kind of loved this uh, that mm. they're like, let's take the three extraneous characters and send them <laughs> off on a pointless mission. <laughs> exactly. So did they actually build out the story of what they were going to encounter? Um, if they did, I didn't find information on it. Yeah, it was just them traveling through, discovering different things uh, in the in the Western Air Temple. That's cool, because I would love to explore the temple. So Yeah, right? Yeah. Um, so we see Aang is prepared to kind of explore too, right? I mean, he hasn't been here in a century, so he's eager to explore, but Katara stops him and tells them that, um, that they should go, they should go without him because they, because everybody, because the, because she needs to talk with Aang. So Aang asks Katara why he can't go. And Katara says, we need to decide on what we're going to do now. Since you're the avatar, maybe you should be part of this, which was an interesting comment because Mm -hmm. up to now, it's sort of like, we have Sokka's invasion plan, Sokka's plan, Katara's kind of in charge, and Aang is sort of there. He's like the crucial centerpiece to this, but Aang's not really a planner. And mm-hmm. and Katara and Sokka both are. And she's sort of saying, like, all right, like you you should you should be part of this because this is your story. Right. Which I think is it also go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Which is interesting because it's it's we've talked about how this this show is at times it feels like it's katara's story at times it feels like it's Sokka's story and this is as they turn towards home it's like katara is saying to ang ang this show you're the avatar this show is like you're the titular character of this show you should be part of this mm. so so i mean i i feel like it's it is all that is also sort of a little meta moment for the show yeah and i also like that uh we always try to find like zuko ang um kind of pairings and uh sometimes they make it pretty obvious with cutscenes or whatever but this one is like a little more subtle and and ang is also dealing with regret like he just came out of a failure again and he said before i cannot stand to lose a second time like i can't fail the world again and so you have a 12 year old boy who's dealing with some major regret and he wants to escape from it and so a lot of this episode or at least for the first part is like him trying to avoid discussing the things that he did wrong and discussing his his shortfalls or his um yeah his shortcomings right absolutely um so ang sits down and asks them about the new plan and Sokka sells says well if you ask me the new plan is the old plan you just need to master all four elements and confront the fire lord before the comet comes katara says ang no one said it's going to be easy and Ang says, it's not even possible. He doesn't have a firebending teacher. And Katara then, so they start to think about, okay, who could be the firebending teacher? And Katara suggests Zhang Zhang. And Ang says, yeah, right. Like, we're ever going to see Zhang Zhang again. Which, I, I again, I can't help but see sort of meta moments where it's like they're saying to the audience, yeah, we're maybe not going to bring every character back. Because <laughs> what were we doing the last few episodes we were speculating who's the firebending teacher going to be and that's a name that always came up and it's like ang is saying come on guys we're, we're <laughs> that character is probably not somebody we're going to meet again maybe it is and if it is they're seeding that but if it's not mm. they're sort of talking to people who have seen the show to be like 
we know, but but probably that's probably not where this is headed. Right. Not everyone needs to come back. That's right. <laughs> um, and then we get what is one of the great jokes and moments of this uh, this episode. Toph makes this comment when they bring up Zhang Zhang about like, well, who is that? And then she says, if it's important, I'll find out. So she's like, don't bother telling me if it's important, I'll find out. So this is where Toph really is like somebody who picked up the show in season two. It's like, well, I guess I don't need to know everything about season one. But if I do, like, give me a previously on so I can be like, oh, okay, that's like a character that 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 we've seen before. So Absolutely. I, I loved this moment. <laughs> But it also is an indication that this episode from here on out, it's like, we're going to keep this. The rest of this episode is previously on Avatar. Like we're going to keep bringing up stuff that happened in the past. Um, yeah. And, and Toph stands out as somebody who didn't experience that, not only to make meta jokes, but also because like she doesn't have quite as much shared trauma as the rest. Exactly. Of the team. You're absolutely right. No, I think because there, there are moments in season two I feel like where she first encounters, um, when she first encounters Azula and she first encounters Zuko, and she's like, "Wait, who is that?" And it's funny because we forget because it's like, "Well, these are these have been big characters in the show," and you realize, "Well, they're not for Toph. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she doesn't have that same history." And th this episode circles back to that. So Aang says, "Oh well, I guess we can't come up with anybody. Why don't we just take a nice tour around the temple?" And he grabs his glider and flies off, um, and. I love this because it's sort of Aang uh, in denial, right? He's evading he, and avoiding. <laughs> yep. He's kind of quitting and it's just like, yep, not, nothing we can do about it. So it, it almost feels like he's embracing the fact that, well, we're going to lose. So we might as well, I might as well enjoy myself for a little bit before this all ends. Mm. That's maybe too dark of a read of it, but, <laughs> but it is definitely like somebody in deep denial about yeah. kind of the situation. Uh, and and Sokka contemplates there's got to be somebody that can teach him firebending, and from there we go to a hard cut of or a, a fade to the to Zuko in the woods near the air temple. So definitely indicating, hey, wait, here's somebody who might be able to be a firebending teacher. Mm -hmm. um, and then we get what is a phenomenal Zuko scene. So oh, I'm just gonna so read. Good. I'm I'm gonna read read this, and this is basically Zuko monologue because he's alone in the woods. So we see Zuko, and he's addressing the camera directly, uh, and he says, "Hello, Zuko here." But I guess you probably already know me, sort of. Uh, so the thing is, I have a lot of firebending experience, and I'm considered to be pretty good at it. Well, you've seen me. You know, when I was attacking you? Uh, yeah, I guess I should apologize for that. But anyway, I'm good now. I mean, I thought I was good before, but now I realize I was bad. But anyway, I think that it's time I joined your group and taught the Avatar firebending. And I love that it's like Zuko preparing for a job interview. Yes, or like a date. Yep. Yes. I will say I have never... Uh, connected so much with Zuko as a character. Like I am somebody who has a, a large degree of, of anxiety in social situations. So what I tend to do is I exactly this, I will kind of script out, here's what I think I need to say. Here's how I hope it goes. And I'll think about, okay, well, do I bring this up? Do I not bring this up? And and like, so I will go into situations with kind of a, a scripted thing. So like, I feel like, oh, I, I, I don't know that I've connected with Zuko a lot in my life, but this episode, 
with both the sort of regret of memory and this make me really connect with him. Oh yeah. Like halfway through, if I'm talking to someone, I'll be like, Oh shoot. Like they didn't actually need to know that information or like, why am I talking about that? You know, like when we Mm -hmm. start getting in our heads, well done Zuko. Like, I mean that they portrayed that super well. So he's giving this speech and then the camera cuts to kind of a wider shot. And we see that this whole time he's just been practicing this speech to a toad that's sitting on a log. And Zuko leans into the toad and demands, well, what is your answer? And the toad just croaks and jumps onto his head. And uh, Zuko says, yeah, that's what I'd say too. How am I supposed to convince these people I'm on their side? What would uncle do? And then Zuko tries out an Iroh impersonation. And he says, Zuko, you have to look within yourself to save yourself from your other self. Only then will your true self reveal itself, which is actually like, he, it's great because he does kind of like an Iroh voice and it mm-hmm. is a very good like um, uh, lampooning of how Iroh would speak where it is a lot of like circular things, but this gets so circular that it's like, what does this even mean? <laughs> um, and then he says, uh, even when I'm talking for him, I can't figure out what he means. What would Azula do? And then he does an Azula, Azula impression. Listen, Avatar, I can join your group or I can do something unspeakably horrible to you and your friends. Your choice. And he says, I guess I'm not that good at impersonations. And the toad jumps back in front of him and croaks. I now, love I- this because um, Azula is always doing impressions too. It like clearly this runs in the family. <laughs> like all, all the royal kids are just always impersonating each other. Now, what's interesting is it also shows something about Zuko. Uh, when he tries to be Iroh, he he has sort of the veneer of wisdom to it, but it just is this like weird circular logic. So it's like he doesn't know how to be wise that way, mm. right? But then when he does Azula, he says, you know, either I join you or I'll do something unspeakably horrible to you and your friends. Notice he's not specific. Because it's like he doesn't really know how to be that cruel, as cruel as Azula either. So he just says this generic, I'll do something unspeakably horrible. Because it's, mm. it, which, which like, I think points to his goodness a little bit. That it's not like he has on the tip of his tongue, here's what I would do to them. Azula would be specific. She yes. would be like, I will do this thing. Right, because she's imagined it a million times. Like, mm-hmm. She knows all the scenarios. She knows all of her capabilities. Where Zuko hasn't imagined that. Well, and that, I, and I think that cruelty is in her heart a little more. And Zuko doesn't mm. like Zuko's had to play act that, and 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 try to be that. But that's what we know. That's not who he is. So it doesn't flow. That cruelty doesn't flow out of him in the same way. Mm-hmm. So uh, we cut back to the air temple, and we see Aang is flying around on his glider, and Momo's with him, and we see Katara, Sokka, and Toph flying on Appa trying to get Aang's attention. Katara says, Aang, can we talk about your learning to firebend now? And Aang pretends that he can't hear her. He's like, oh, the wind is too loud. I can't hear what you're saying. (laughs) And then he just does glider tricks. And then Sokka says, Aang, I think we should be making some plans about your future. And Aang eventually says, okay, we can can do it while I show you the giant pie show table. Oh, and you're going to love the all-day echo chamber. So now he's like, okay, well, we're not going to fly. Let me give you a tour. And we can pretend to talk about these things while I give you a tour. 
I do love that they also introduced reintroduced Pie Show. Like we haven't heard mm. about that in a while. And I feel like there's some White Lotus coming and that seems clearly connected to that. So the fact that there is a Pie Show table at the at the Western Air Temple excites me. Yeah, it was subtle and I was also like, why is Iroh not there? Why mm-hmm. is he not playing? But uh but maybe he will be. I mean I because <laughs> here's the thing, if Zuko knew to go here and mm. has been here like I wonder if Iroh knows. Like, okay, yeah. this is this is the place. This is the the logical place to go. Mm. Um, so they land back at the temple, but Toph says, "I think that'll have to wait." And she points to Zuko, who's standing in front of them, and they all look shocked and angry to see him. And here's where we begin the scene that we could call previously on Avatar, because here they're going to. Everything from the past is going to get dredged up. So it's now Zuko, who has prepared his speech, uh, now starts to give his speech. He says, hello, Zuko here. I love that he starts the same way, like it's a phone message, right? He yes. starts, that's the, that's how he started his practice speech and how he yes. says it there, too. And his little wave, it's like, it's actually really charming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and they all prepare to fight and Zuko says hey I heard you guys flying around down there so I just thought I'd wait for you up here and we see Appa walk up to Zuko growl loudly and then give him like a full body lick and uh, and Aang kind of looks surprised at this he doesn't say anything about it but he he definitely tracks like Appa is warm to this person Mm. and Zuko says I know you must be surprised to see me here And Sokka says, not really, since you followed us all over the world, Zuko. So again, with all these things, remember, they're reminding people, let's not forget who he was in the past. They're going to drudge up every uh, every crime that they can of Zuko. And Zuko says, right, well, uh, anyway, what I wanted to tell you about was that I've changed, and uh, I'm good now. And well, I think I should join your group. Oh, and I can teach firebending to you. And the gang looks perplexed at this. And Toph says, you want to do what now? Katara says, you can't possibly think any of us would trust you, can you? I mean, how stupid do you think we are? And Sokka says, yeah, all you've ever done is try to hunt us down and capture Aang. And Zuko says, uh, I've done some pretty good things. I mean, I could have stolen your bison and bossing say, but I set him free. That's something. And then Appa licks him again. So he's trying to also. So he he's trying to also remind. Well, it wouldn't even be reminding. They don't know that he did that. Mm-hmm. But but I mean, <laughs> to the viewer, they're like, let this is laying out the case for and against Zuko. Um, you know, kind of what uh, what what has happened over this time. And Top says. Uh, Appa does seem to like him. And Sokka says, he probably just covered himself in honey or something so that Appa would lick him. I'm not buying it. Zuko says, I can understand why you wouldn't trust me. And I know I've made some mistakes in the past. And Sokka says, like when you attacked our village, Katara, or when you stole my mother's necklace and you used us to track us down and capture us. Zuko, look, I admit I've done some awful things. I was wrong to try to capture you. And I'm sorry I attacked the Water Tribe. And I never should have sent that Fire Nation assassin after you. I'm going to try to stop him. Uh, this is such a great moment. Asaka's like, 
<laughs> um, Sokka's like, wait, you sent Combustion Man after us? And Zuko said, well, that's not his name, but... And it's just this moment where Zuko is... It's like... um. It's like almost in a 12-step program where it's like, okay, you need to like fess up to the things you've done, you know, like you need to make amends. Yep. And and in doing that, sometimes you you end up confessing to things that people didn't know about. And it's like, oh, this is worse. Like, 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 <laughs> like, why did you bring that part up? They didn't know that yes. about you. Yeah, it's like just, uh, yeah, exactly. And like, I don't know that they would have ever had any clue that that would him right they couldn't really trace it to him i mean they could assume <laughs> right right it's also funny because i'd for, i'd kind of forgotten about about the assassin about combustion man yeah like it's been half a season since we've seen him to the point where in our last i think it was our last episode we were going through kind of loose ends and i asked you about i couldn't remember i knew that they kind of defeated him in a moment but i couldn't remember like was he off the table or is he still in play i honestly going into this episode i could not remember for sure i you know because i remember they hit like the the eye tattoo thing on his head and like that seemed to like paralyze his power but um Mm. but i was like i couldn't remember if he was just done then or or what so uh the fact that he brings that up was even a reminder to me of like oh yeah he did do that too (laughs) but i also love this scene too because it's zuko humbling himself and he does not do that he other people will humble him or like he will be forced to a a point of of feeling shame or feeling low but like for him to actually come out and apologize like even though an apology isn't quite enough for you know attacking a village or sending assassins on people like it is I think it is still profound. So I like that you talked about this almost as like a courtroom drama. It's like, yeah, there are these two sides and they're trying to build evidence for this Zuko, which is something that the audience has been doing this whole time too, right? Like I'm sure when this came out, there were people who were like, team Zuko is good and team Zuko is bad, right? And like, um, and and stacking up all these things either for or against him. Well, especially if you pitch this back to that this is a, this is a show where the target audience was six to 11 year olds who Mm. are a lot more black and white about what's good and what's bad. Yes. You know? So like even the language Zuko uses of, I used to be bad, but now I'm good. Like it sounds clunky because it's like, what person thinks that way? But like a little kid thinks that way. Yeah. Right. And, and this is introducing, okay, this is the gray area part where it's like, yeah, he did these terrible things and he admits he did them. And it wasn't, it's not something that can get waved away, but there's also some of these other things as well. Mm. So I love where, where, where Sokka mentions the name combustion man and Zuko's like, well, I, I think we're talking about the same person, but that's not his name. And Sokka's like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to insult your friend. Um <laughs> What's interesting here is that Sokka is holding his boomerang. So he's prepared to fight. He's holding his boomerang and kind of pointing it at Zuko. But his sword is not to be seen. I Mm. think this whole episode, we don't see Sokka's sword. I don't think he's wearing it um, in this scene. Which is funny that, that that he's using the boomerang here when this is not really a boomerang moment. And it would be like, 
this is isn't Sokka like a burgeoning sword master? Right. And I mean, maybe that's another thing too, where it's like, oh, we kind of forgot. Like, <laughs> but he has been using the sword for a while. He, I mean, he would bring up his boomerang a lot, but that was kind of like season one and part mm-hmm. of season two. So um, I like that they, they mention it, that they're very obvious about showing it at the start because it does come back. Oh, pun. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but yeah. And, 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 and obviously in this episode, the boomerang is going to become significant. So, uh, so Zuko says, he's not my friend. And Toph says, that guy uh, <clears throat> locked me and Katara in jail and tried to blow us all up. And Zuko turns to Aang and he says, why aren't you saying anything? It's like everybody else is kind of leveling these, these things against me. He says, you once thought we could be friends. Again, this just feels like previously on. Like, okay, remember that part too? This also happened. Uh, and he says, you know, I have good in me. And Aang looks to Sokka who shakes his head. No, like, like Aang is again, Aang is not necessarily acting like the person in charge. He's like, Mm. he's looking to Sokka for guidance. And again, we need to remember Aang is the youngest of this group. I mean, he's the oldest, but he's also the youngest of this group. Aang said, there's no way we can trust you after everything you've done. We'll never let you join us. Katara says, you need to get out of here. And we see Zuko starting to sound more frustrated and angry. He's starting to sound like that version of Zuko. He says, I'm trying to explain to you that I'm not that person anymore. And as he's saying that, he's starting to sound like that person. (laughs) He's starting to sound like the bad Zuko. Um, uh, And Sokka says, either you leave or we attack. And then Zuko says, if you won't accept me as a friend, then maybe you'll take me as a prisoner. And he kneels down and puts out his hands up to be shackled. Katara says, no, we won't. And she bends water at him. She says, get out of here and don't come back. If we ever see you again, well, we better not see you again. And we see dejected Zuko walk away. Yeah. This also feels like dejected Aang, too. Like, I just... just watch this scene and I get upset with Aang because it doesn't seem like Aang. Like it se- like you said, it seems like he's doing what Sokka and Katara want for him to do. Like he just does he doesn't have it in him to even make any more choices. And he also sees that Appa is favorable towards Zuko and like Appa is an abused animal. Like he should not like he he has a very low threshold of trust anyway for any human. So the fact that he was so warm to him, like Aang, Aang was aware of that and yet still just went along with what Katara and Sokka said. And so I yeah, I don't know. When I watched this, I was kinda like, Aang, like, I don't know, grow a pair, like just like stand up for, you know, like and and also like play into the goodness of Aang. Like he is somebody who forgives. He is somebody who forgets. Uh, it seems right. Like, and mm-hmm. yeah, he doesn't um, seem like the avatar in this moment. Right. He just doesn't seem like an air nomad either. Like he just mm-hmm. seems like nothing. <laughs> like he's lost all of it. And I, what I like about that is it shows, as you pointed out, like this is really just on the heels of a catastrophic defeat, mm. you know, or where it, it mostly just a defeat in that they, they failed to find the fire Lord. They had this window of opportunity that everything had been building towards and, uh, and it didn't work. And like, yeah. he, it is, it is like another, you know, in the Joseph Campbell sense, it is another almost like refusal of the call moment where he's like, no, I'm actually not going to be that avatar person. 
I can't do it. It's not me. Yeah. And, and they have to like play with a choice that's like, do we gamble because the stakes are high or do we, um, do we play it safe? And like coming out of a really devastating loss, maybe it's, it feels easier and better to play it safe than to gamble. Right. I want to point out one other thing about this scene that that uh, we we like to talk about characters paired or mirroring. So I want to read mm. two two lines that have been said in this episode um, to kind of connect two characters who are not going to deeply connect, who have connected in the past but are not going to connect well in this episode. So Zuko, when he's doing his Azula impression, says, uh, "I can join your group, or I can do something unspeakably horrible." to you and your friends. So think about how general that sounds. And then at the end of this, Katara says, get out of here and don't come back. If we ever see you again, well, we better not see you again. That they both are like incapable, like they both on the tip of their tongue don't have that horrible thing. They know that that's the thing that's supposed to follow an ultimatum like that, but neither of them really pull that off. And Mm -hmm. I find that endearing because I know Mm -hmm. that they they have a connection. Mm-hmm. have in the past yeah for sure so we cut to zuko uh back at his camp in the woods and he's again uh talking to himself and to the toad and he's saying i can't believe how stupid i am i mean what was i thinking telling them i sent the assassin after them why didn't i just say azula did that they would have believed that stupid. And the toad just stares at him and croaks as he falls to his knees. So what's interesting there is, I mean, he, he mentions what you said, like he could have said anybody else did it and they would have believed it. Right. Or he could have not mentioned Mm -hmm. it. So it's also a sign that like, that's how honest, that's the level of honesty he's at, Mm. you know, because I was comparing it to the, like making amends in a, you know, in a 12 step program. And that's part of it is not you, you like, need to you know basically talk about the the things you've done and not just the things that people are aware you've done but all of it so so it is it is a deeply confessional moment so it's cool that he brings it up but it is in the the scenario of trying to win them over you maybe shouldn't make the case against you while you're doing it absolutely right so then back at the temple we see Sokka, Toph, Katara, and Aang are all talking about Zuko uh, Katara says, why would he try to fool us like that? Sokka says, obviously he wants to lead us into some kind of trap. Katara says, it's just like when we were in prison together in Ba Sing Se. He starts talking about his mother and making it seem like he's an actual human being with feelings. Again, we're just going through saying like, in case you didn't see these episodes, <laughs> it's almost like you should go back and watch them if you didn't see them. Cause they, these episodes sound great, right? Yeah. Uh, Sokka, Sokka says, he, uh, he wants you to trust him and feel sorry for him so you'll let your guard down and then he strikes. And Katara says, the thing is, it worked. I did feel sorry for him. I felt like he was really confused and hurt. But obviously, when the time came, he made his choice and we paid the price. We can't trust him. Mm. So Katara's being like... Uh, what's interesting is I don't know how much she's told that story to them. Yeah. Because, like, it happened, and then Zuko turned right in front of them. So she maybe didn't really get into that story that much. Yeah, it was a very intimate moment. And it was right before Aang, like, literally died because of Zuko's choice. And she had to bring him back to life. And uh, 
And then Aang was gone for like Aang was healing for weeks. I don't remember the timeline, but yeah, I don't know that she even really was able to confess that part of her relationship with him. So I love this scene because, you know, when Zuko's there, they're just attacking him, right? And mm-hmm. with words about laying out this case against him. But then Katara even tells that story and she sort of is like, you know, there was this moment. But then she said he made his, you know, he made his choice. And then Aang pipes up and says, well, actually, I have a confession to make, too. Mm. Uh, so more previously on, he says, remember when you two were sick and I got captured by Zhao? And Sokka says, and you made us suck on frozen frogs? How could I forget that? I had a wart on the flap that hangs down from the back of my throat for a month. I could feel it. It was my throttle flap. <laughs> and Aang, uh, <laughs> Aang says, anyway... When Zhao had me chained up, it was Zuko that came in and got me out. He risked his life to save me. So he's referencing the same story that uh, Zuko was when he says, you know, you once said we could have been friends, you know, and you wonder how much did that comment like echo through Aang's head as Mm -hmm. like making him remember that day. Um, And Katara says, no way. I'm sure he did it only so he could capture you himself. Sokka says, yeah, face it, Aang. You're nothing but a big prize to him. And we see Aang kind of agree and say, you're probably right. Like It's like he was about to make this kind of stand. And this sort of speaks to what you were saying about Aang earlier. To make this, thing and this stand and then he just kind of like retreats and says, you know, you're, you're probably right. Katara says, and what was all that crazy stuff about setting Appa free? What a liar. And Toph jumps in and says, actually, he wasn't lying. Remember, Toph is a uh, uh, a human lie detector, lie detector <laughs> test, right? She can, <laughs> she can feel heartbeats and stuff like that. Toph says, uh, or, or, Toph says, actually, he wasn't lying. Sokka says, oh, hooray. In a lifetime of evil, at least he didn't add animal cruelty <laughs> to the list. Great line. Yes, <laughs> especially especially from Sokka, the the, the <laughs> hunter and meat eater. Like it's particularly good. Yes. Um, and Toph says, "I'm just saying that considering his messed up family and how he was raised, he could have turned out a lot worse." Mm-hmm. Now, this is coming from somebody else who has their own messed up family and and uh, difficult up- upbringing. Uh, that's a kind of an interesting line to think about. Mm-hmm. Guitar says, "You're right, Toph." Let's go and find him and give him a medal. The not as much as a jerk as you could have been award. And Toph says, all I know is that while he was talking to us, he was sincere. Maybe you're just letting your hurt feelings keep you from thinking clearly. And this is interesting because as for us as viewers of the show, we have distance from this a little bit and we know more and we've seen a little bit more than these characters. So, you know, we're thinking about that. And if, if, Toph is the viewer stand-in at this moment, the person who didn't see season one. She's expressing our thoughts to the Aang gang here and saying like, well, maybe you're too close to this thing. And if we could just pull back a little bit, you could see things a little more clearly. And Katara says, that's easy for you to say. You weren't around when he had us attacked by pirates. She might as well have just said you didn't watch season one, right? (laughs) Like I love, I'd love this. Sokka says, or when he burned down uh, Kiyoshi Island, or when he tried to capture me at the Fire Temple. Again, all of these, they're just like season one stuff. So, 
I know, and also it's like Aang, come on, like, Aang is just being difficult at this point, because he wants, I mean, like, he does, I think he wants and he sees that he needs to be with, or that he should be using Zuko for his firebending, and yet he's like, oh yeah, or this other thing, and adds another sin to the list, and it's like, you know, like, add another crime, and I don't know, I'm glad Toph is there. Right, but I, I also think that Aang is wrestling with I don't know that Aang wants to be a firebender mm. because of what happens in that Zhang Zhang episode mm. that he, he sees the destructive power in himself because he doesn't have that yet really, yep. but he sees it in himself in that episode. So I think he's also looking for ways to say, I don't know that I want to do that. Yeah. And it's also interesting too, when, when he says, Oh, we're not going to ever see Zhang Zhang again. I don't, when I watched that, like, I didn't know if that was like a oh audience you, we you might not get everybody you want again, mm-hmm. but I I saw it more like because to us it's like oh no that is very much in the realm of possibility like it is very like they could throw anyone back in because we just saw half of the cast come sure, back absolutely. in the last episode. So to me, I read that more as like he felt like he uh, burned that bridge <laughs> with Zhang Zhang right like he he was a bad student. Um, he hurt his friend, he misused this element, um, kind of in every way that he learned he shouldn't have. And so like, for him, I think he thinks even if Zhang Zhang was there, he wouldn't take me. Like, that's kind of what I felt in that moment. Oh, sure. No, that, that, I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, and then you tie that in with Aang, just, he's sort of in denial about being the, about not not about being the avatar but about the responsibilities that he still has and the unfinished work he still has as the avatar here mm. uh katara says why did you even tr- why do you even try to defend him and Toph says because katara you're all ignoring one crucial fact ang needs a firebending teacher i mean they've just been talking about this we can't think of a single person in the world who can do the job now one shows up on a silver platter and you won't even think about it uh, so we see Toph stomping on the earth below them, and a- Aang says, uh, "I'm not having Zuko as my f- as my teacher." And Sokka says, "You're darn right, you're not, buddy." Katara says, "Well, I guess that's settled." And Toph says, "I'm beginning to wonder who's really the blind one around here." And she walks away. Boom! What a line. Yeah, and and what we're seeing is, I mean, there was this was a conversation with five people in it, mm-hmm. and then Zuko is kind of made to walk away. Toph reaches a point where she walks away, right? That yeah. like that they're, they're just in this spiral of, of <clears throat> understandable, but kind of hate for this person. Yeah. And, and, you know, Toph trying to like say, but you know, what if we think about this there? It's interesting to see people who are our heroes in this story, like in this spot where they seem incapable of, of grace and mercy and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And you said it too, like it's like you had five people, then you had four people, then you had three, but like really we just had two. Like I still really think that this is mm-hmm. not Aang's decision at all. He's just letting them decide for him. And they're the people who've been most historically damaged by the Fire Nation. Yeah. Yeah, you so know. it's it's definitely warranted. Yeah, yeah. So we cut to Zuko's camp at night and we see him sleeping. 
uh, while his small campfire burns. And it took me a while to realize, I'm like, where does Zuko get this like tent-like structure? And then I realized it's, I'm sure it's the hot air balloon, right? It's the same color as the oh, balloon. Yeah, so I'm smart. guessing that's what his, that's what his tent is. Um, <clears throat> and he hears a rustling that wakes him up and he yells, stay back and bends fire into the darkness. And what he doesn't know is that the sound he heard was Toph approaching his camp and his fire accidentally burns her feet which is where she, how, how she interacts with the world. And Zuko tries to apologize, but Toph keeps crawling away and bending rocks back at him. She finally bends a stone pillar out of the ground to knock him back as she crawls away. And Zuko says, I didn't know it was you. Come back. Why am I so bad at being good? Mm. <clears throat> and this is this, this great you know, moment of like, Zuko not thinking again, he, he has this particular specific power, which we've already heard meditations on. I mean, Zhang Zhang, there's, there's no, there's a reason they bring him up in this episode too. And it's that he had meditations about the destructiveness and danger of, of firebending. And we see Zuko using it um, pretty recklessly here, right? Without yep. seeing what he's doing, it's just he just kind of lashes out, and he's he spent that the, that day being attacked by people, people, you know, dredging up every bad thing he's ever done, yes. you know. And he knows and he has, that he has all the Fire Nation like probably out to get him to, or like he assumes he does, right? Sure, sure. So, so, you know, he, without thinking, he kind of lashes back. I see that moment as kind of fear of what's in the dark, but also just frustration with himself, frustration with the situation. Mm. Um, but that lashing back is a kind of, you know, is it not a kind of, it's a very violent thing, right? And he has this like instant regret for it. Like mm. anybody who's ever kind of lashed out in violence like that, it's like you instantly snap into, oh my goodness, I like, I can't believe I did that. That's not, that's not me. You know, he yeah. kind of has that, has that uh, reaction. And now it's like up to Toph. So she, now Toph is joining in on this like trauma, right? Like this like mm -hmm. collective trauma. And it's like, and we see her crawl away. Like this is like a devastating burn on her feet. And so she now has to make the same choice of like, what do we do with Zuko? And it's interesting to watch her and we'll get to it eventually, but to watch her like work through some of that too. And it's like, I think it's a really valuable lesson for kids and for me <laughs> to be like, oh yeah, it's really easy to extend mercy and grace to people who are like me or to people with similar backgrounds or to people that I can empathize with well. Um, like when Aang like lies about the, the scroll that he receives, like they got over it in a day, right? Like mm -hmm. they were very upset, but they got over it. And yet here um, they're unwilling to see that like, that choices don't always equate character. And like, sometimes like characters can shift or change over time. Um, so it's like, it's fun. It's fun that this is like a new thing for Toph to deal with uh, and to see how she's able to, to choose like what she chooses out of it. Right. Because when this happened, I was, I had the same thought, like I'm excited to see her response now. Does she, can, can she still hold up to the things that she was saying before now that she has, literal skin in the game in a different kind of way you know yeah uh so we cut to the air temple and it's daytime 
and we see everyone, including the side mission characters back now, uh, everyone except for Toph sitting around the fountain eating rice. Uh, Katara asks if anyone's seen Toph, and Sokka says he hasn't seen her since she stormed off yesterday. Haru speculates that she might be exploring the temple, and Katara says, I think we should go look for her. <laughs> and Sokka's like, oh, let her have her fun with the rocks. I'm in no rush to have her yelling at us again. And then we see Teo, Haru, and the Duke volunteer to go search the temple. And I just wrote in my notes again, like, how convenient. They've just, these characters have just shown up and they're like, let's actually send you guys off screen again. Okay, but also how difficult would it be to, to be those three individuals and to join this group of, like, a family? Right. <laughs> like, okay, like, we'll just, like, it seems like they're like, all right, yeah, we'll just leave. <laughs> yeah, and there's, like, this Shakespearean drama playing out in front of them, and it's like... <sighs> okay, I, I we're not even the comic relief here. We're just the well, we showed up just to remind you we're part of this group and now we're going to literally go into a cave again. Yes, it's like you guys don't have to ask us, we'll just excuse ourselves. That's right. They 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 get it. They're like, "We know we're like C-level characters in this story." So, yeah, we'll 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 talk to you later. When 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 he mentioned when Haru mentions Maybe she's exploring the caves. I knew they were going to be. I knew they were going to get rid of the characters that way. And I love that. In my in my version of the story, Sokka and Katara are like, "No, she didn't." But they're like, "Yeah, go check it out." Yep. <laughs> like, yep. Go on, guys. Yeah, it's sort of like when you're when, once you get older, if you have like like much younger cousins and you're just like uh, at family events, you're like trying to come up with things for them to go do. It's like, Oh, I have a cool game for you. It's like, it's like they said, let's play the quiet game. <laughs> Hide and seek. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just get um, out of here. That's right. Um, so uh, suddenly that once, once those three go into the temple, um, suddenly they, the Katara, Sokka and Aang hear a big crash and a hole opens up in the rock wall and Toph crawls out and they rush to her and she explains that her feet got burned when she went to see Zuko last night and Aang, Katara, and Sokka are horrified at this. Toph says, I just thought he could be helpful to us and if I talk to him, maybe we could work something out. And Sokka assumes that Zuko attacked Toph and Toph said, well, he didn't, he didn't. It was sort of an accident. And Aang says, but he did firebend at you. And Toph said, yes. This again feels like a courtroom thing where it's yes. like they are attorneys now. It's like, did he or did he not firebend at you? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, there is no gray area. Like he did or didn't. And Sokka says, see, you trusted Zuko and you got burned. Literally. Guitar starts using her waterbending to heal Toph. She says it will take a while. And she wishes she could have worked on them sooner. And Sokka says, Zuko's clearly too dangerous to be left alone. We're going to go have to go after him. And Aang says, I hate to go looking for a fight. But you're right. After what he did to Toph, I don't think we have a choice. And here we get Sokka starting to plan. He's like, he's crafty, but we'll find a way to capture him. I love this. Toph points out, maybe just invite him back here. He's already offered himself up as a prisoner once. So like... <laughs> And Sokka says, yeah, get him to come back and say he'll be our prisoner himself. Uh, and then we'll jump on, we'll jump him and really make him our prisoner. He'll never suspect it. And it's so funny because they, they're still in their heads like he has this evil plot. And Toph 
who just got burned by him is still like, yeah, I think if you just told him to come here and give himself up, he would. He's like, that's he's all he's already offered that, right? So she both she seems like she's in some kind of middle ground with with uh, with uh, with Zuko still. I think. Yeah, yeah, and it reminds me too of again the failures of the last attack. It's like who were they just dealing with? Azula. And Azula does have everything planned out. She's always ahead. So it's like, I could see Sokka being like, yeah, I need to be like six steps ahead of Zuko. So like, if he offers himself as a prisoner, I'm going to attack him first to make him our prisoner. And it's like, yeah, like if he's going off of Azula level insanity, then that makes sense. Right, right. Um, So they set Toph down by the fountain to soak her feet in the water. And she says, now I know what the rest of you guys feel. Not being able to see with your feet stinks. Um, and from here, the camera pulls back. And who do we see? Combustion Man. We see Combustion Man on an upper cliff ledge looking down at the gang. And we like it, we cut to kind of Combustion Man point of view. And we see him eye up Aang. So Aang is kind of walking between these pillars and we just the camera just kind of tracks with Aang moving so it's like he's uh sizing him up trying to get him into uh into his sights uh and he readies himself to send a combustion bolt i don't know what his power is um at Aang but before he can Zuko swings in on a rope uh, to not combustion man off target. I mean, it is such like hero imagery that he literally swings in to, to save the day. Yes. Um, and uh, the gang watches from afar as Zuko confronts the assassin. He says, stop. I don't want you hunting the avatar anymore. The mission is off. I'm ordering you to stop. And he just pushes Zuko aside and fires another bolt of energy down towards our heroes. And Zuko rushes at him again. He says, if you keep attacking, I won't pay you. And Combustion Man grabs Zuko by the collar and says, and, and Zuko says, all right, I'll pay you double to stop. And Zuko kicks his way out of the assassin's grasp and the assassin fires another shot towards Aang. What's interesting about this moment is when Zuko hires Combustion Man, he is the Fire Nation crowned prince or you know heir to the throne um he has all of his power and privilege and and combustion man is on board with the project right now we see zuko has chosen to strip himself of all of that um but it also means that he's also removed any power he has over this person if he did right like combustion man has no interest in what the person who originally hired him yeah yeah I also think um, just aesthetically, this scene is very pleasing. You, they have like these these um, upside down temples, right? And they're like across the way. They're kind of across that like big um, canyon. And he's like shooting at them. And it's really, yeah. And then uh, Zuko coming in on like a, <laughs> on a rope is like very Indiana Jones. And mm-hmm. it just, it's, um, it kind of sets off. I feel like. Well, I don't want to spoil anything, but I feel like we get some Indiana Jones vibes a little bit later in this season. So Hmm. um, hold on to that. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like classic hero stuff. If not indie, it is. It's old Hollywood serials. It is Errol Flynn kind of stuff. Like, I mean, it is is classic heroic iconography. I mean, even 
there's there's a Star Wars scene where you see Luke and Leia like swing across this thing on a yeah. like like just seeing him swinging from a rope is always like like that that that's iconography that tells you something about mm-hmm. um, about this person. So Zuko has kicked himself away from Combustion Man, and then we see Combustion Man turn and direct his aim at Zuko, and he fires at him pretty much point blank. And Zuko firebends kind of a shield around himself, but the force of the blow like pushes him off the ledge and presumably into the deep chasm below. And we see the, the gang who are watching from below looking on pretty shocked that like, because mm-hmm. it looks to them that like, I think Zuko just died. Like that's yeah, for exactly, us. or at least trying to save us. Yeah. I mean, not mm-hmm. successfully, but, but yeah, <laughs> that, that, that he, attempted to you know attempted he gave his life attempting to save us Mm. um so then uh we cut to the ledge and see down below it and we see that zuko is hanging uh by a vine and he's slowly climbing back up to the ledge um and this is clearly like okay, this is a kid show. Like we, we actually need to address, right? Like they, there, there, there is no pause to be like, oh my gosh, did Zuko just die? Like they instantly are like, no, he's not dead. He's, you know, he's climbing <laughs> up from below, you know? And it's, it's the classic, like uh, Luke Skywalker in um, Return of the Jedi when they're on the sand skiff about to get ready to be thrown in to the Sarlacc pit. And he jumps, he, you know, he goes off the plank, but he kind of grabs it and then bounces back up. So it's like, this yep. is a version of that. Zuko is both blown off the ledge, but we need to see right away that he's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, he's, he's climbing up this, uh, climbing up this vine, but combustion man doesn't know this. And he turns uh, back towards Ang and Ang airbends like a cyclone that he sends up at the assassin and combustion man leaps uh, from a ledge down closer to our heroes. And Katara water bends a huge wave that she freezes into like small ice darts that she shoots at him. Uh, Combustion Man gets back up and looks down at where the gang was, but he sees that no one's there. Uh, and just so instead he just starts destroying the temple. Like he's just going to use this massive power that he has to be like, well, I'll just tear this thing down to the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we see that the gang is hiding behind one of the structures and we hear Toph say he's going to blast the whole place right off this cliffside. And we hear another huge explosion and Katara says, I can't step out to waterbend at him without getting blown up. And I can't get a good enough angle on him from down here. And then Sokka announces that he knows how to get an angle on him and he takes out his boomerang. So this is why we had the boomerang foreshadowing <laughs> earlier. And we see him like hold it and kind of do some quick calculations. He doesn't throw it right away. He's like kind of sizing things up. Um, and he throws the boomerang, which curves up and strikes Combustion Man in the head, knocking him down. And we see Sokka booming and he yells, yeah, boomerang, as it flies back to him. And they rush out just in time to see the assassin starting to get back up to his feet. Um, mm-hmm. Now, one thing, this is not how boomerangs work. <laughs> Like, if you throw it and hit the thing, it doesn't come back to you. <laughs> it's a really nice boomerang. <laughs> it's, he's really good at this. This is a, like, one in a million shot that he makes. But it's, 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 uh, it's pretty impressive. I will say this did make me want to, because I'm sure there are YouTube videos of boomerang masters, like, doing stuff. Oh. Like, I kind of want to see, like, what do people who are, like, great boomerang, especially, like, boomerang hunters. Because that's what it yeah. is. It's a tool for hunting, right? 
Yeah. So like, like I, what what kind of things can you pull off? Yeah. So I'm kind of now now I kind of go want to watch uh, boomerang YouTube videos. So I might do yeah. that later today. And are there like really souped up boomerangs or no? Because that would kind of defeat the purpose of a boomerang. <laughs> I'm sure there are nicer and less nice ones, but you know, I, I assume they have to be pretty aerodynamic. So I don't know that you can. Yeah. And maybe the colors at least. Oh yeah, you know? for sure. For sure. Bedazzled one perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. As long as like the weight of the stones is evenly <laughs> distributed or, or something yeah. like that. So combustion man is staggering to get back up to his feet. And now we see through his eyes that he has blurry vision because he's mm. been hit in the head. Um, and he prepares to fire, but when he tries to shoot another bolt of energy, he ends up blowing himself up. We see a huge explosion and we even see combustion man's metal forearm fall down into the chasm and I think he's dead. Yes. Okay. Yes, he's dead. Confirmed. All right. <laughs> so a confirmed kill for Sokka on that one. Sort of. Um, wow. Well done. Boomerang and Sokka. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we see the Angang look down in shock with this huge explosion and sort of seeing the remains of combustion man falling down. We and see then who Te comes back? <laughs> <laughs> Conveniently, Teo, Haru, and the Duke show up just in time to see the explosion. They're like, um, what? <laughs> and they all see Zuko continuing to climb up the vine where he was hanging. We hear heroic music kind of swell as he reaches the top of the ledge. Uh, and then we cut back to the fountain and we see the Aang gang as they watch Zuko approach them. And Aang says, I can't believe I'm saying this, but thanks, Zuko. And Sokka says, hey, what about me? I did the whole boomerang thing. And Sokka's got a point. Like, like, like Zuko was willing to sacrifice himself. And he did probably save them from that first shot that they were unaware of. Mm. Um, but like, I feel like this victory should go to, uh, should go to Sokka. Because he did make the sort of one in a million throw. <laughs> so I'm actually, I'm actually team Sokka when it comes to that. But good for Zuko for for getting involved and showing, uh, showing himself to them. And Zuko says, listen, I know I didn't explain myself very well yesterday. I've been through a lot in the past few years and it's been hard, but I'm realizing that I had to go through all of those things to learn the truth. I thought I had lost my honor and that somehow my father could return it to me. But now I know that no one can give you your honor. It's something you earn for yourself by choosing to do what's right. All I want to do now is play my part in ending this war. And I know by destiny is to help you restore balance to the world. And then he turns towards Toph and says, I'm sorry for what I did to you. It was an accident. Fire can be wild and dangerous. So as a firebender, I need to be more careful and control my bending so I don't hurt people unintentionally. Who does he sound like there? Fire can be dangerous and wild. You need to Zhang control Zhang? yourself. Yes. That is, that's kind of the exact message that Zhang Zhang was sending. Cause Zhang Zhang was mm. like a, uh, reluctant firebender, right? That he, mm. he was like, remember him talking to Katara and being like, I wish I, I wish this wasn't the element that I, that I could control. I wish it was these other things. And it's like, we almost see, this is like the most wisdom we've ever heard from, from Zuko. You know I, feel like. I also feel like from this moment, it also reminds me of his Iroh impersonation <laughs> to be like, you have to look at your failures inside of you to save you from doing those again. And mm -hmm. like one of your failures is that you are reckless with fire. 
that you are always assuming people are going to attack you, are going to push you aside and not trust you. And then once you do that, once you're able to do that, you will reveal who, your character to others, right? And also, I think his impersonation of Azula also came true. It was a little prophetic because he did actually cause some unspeakable damage to, to Toph. So I feel like both of those points of advice that he gave himself through other people, like you could stretch it out and be like, all right, maybe. I will, I will allow it. I, I think that works. <laughs> I think I'm digging for something, but you know what? I'm gonna say uh, it's it's there. Well, I think you're absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think and what's interesting is this is the first time that Zuko has ever sounded like a firebending master. Yeah, like John Jong or Iro, whoever. Yeah. Yeah, or just the Zuko version of a firebending master. Like he actually, he actually sounds like that. It's also interesting, you know, where we started talking about uh, kind of the circular nature of this story. And, you know, Zuko starting at the the Western Fire Temple or Western Air, Te- Air Temple when he was searching for Aang initially. And he talked about how, like, it circles back to him here. But, like, you have to go through all of these things in order to be who you are. And that's exactly what he says here. Yeah. I didn't even, when we were talking about that, I didn't even remember he said that here at the end. But that's exactly what he says. It's like, now I realize I needed to do all of this mm. to kind of be where I am right now. So, mm-hmm. Good life advice from Avatar, I think. Yes, from Zuko. Right, right. We see Aang say, I think you're supposed to be my firebending teacher. When I first tried to learn firebending, I burned Katara. And after that, I never wanted to firebend again. But now I know you understand how easy it is to hurt the people you love. I'd like you to teach me. And he bows to Zuko. And we see Zuko return the bow. And Aang... And then says to Aang, thank you. I'm so happy you've accepted me into your group. And Aang says, not so fast. (laughs) I still have to ask my friends if it's okay with them. And I like this because this was like, it was a different version of what we saw earlier. What we saw earlier was Aang just deferred to them, right? Mm -hmm. And like, he didn't express his thoughts or opinions. He just kind of was like went along with them now he's already said here's what i would like i think this is what it's supposed to be but now i want to clear it with these people instead of i want to know their thoughts and that will shape my view he says here is my view so this you know and this also i think opens the door up to thinking you know broader picture about what happens here i mean this is a sort of a sign of democracy in the group a little bit it's Mm -hmm. like well you know what let's everybody kind of gets a say in this this isn't this family is not something that i am the emperor or lord of like i can this is what i think but here we need to listen to everybody else yeah and i think this also i mean if we're looking at the mirroring of the two characters like it was a Zuko needed a second chance for this conversation to happen and so did Aang like they both had to make this conversation better the second time around uh and and so like there's growth from both of them absolutely so he asked Toph he says Toph you're the one that Zuko burned what do you think and Toph says go ahead and let him join it'll give me plenty of time to get back at him for burning my feet which is interesting because this is an episode about people holding grudges and traumas and but Mm. but Toph is pretty playful about it it's like yeah yeah like i'll just get him back like and you know toff will toff will through her words and through her actions take little shots at him in a in a playful kind of way so she actually has like in some ways the right approach to this i don't often think of toff as like well that's the person we should be following but it's like yeah yeah 
she kind of has like the hardest exterior in, in terms of, I mean, like how she interacts with people. It's like pr- very blunt, very sometimes cold. <laughs> right. Um, Especially yeah, how yeah. she thinks about like group interaction and like group responsibility and those things. Uh, mm-hmm. So Sokka says, hey, all I want is to defeat the Fire Lord. If you think this is the way to do it, I'm all for it. And Katara says simply, I'll go along with whatever you think is right. But she's clearly not happy about this. Uh, and then Zuko says, I won't let you down, I promise. And there's this interesting shot where we see everyone walk away from Zuko at this point. There's no like group hug moment. There's no like, welcome to the family. It's like they they agree to let him be part of it. And then they all leave. And he's just yep. standing there. I also noticed, so Aang asked the group, you know, what uh what they think uh there are no votes for haru teo or or the duke they don't get to say what they think they're they're around do you guys want the crown prince of the fire nation to hang out with us like nothing nothing yeah yep. it's just so so there there's clearly like it's it's a lot like athenian democracy there are people who are citizens and people who are not citizens they live there they're part of the group but they're not part of the group part of the group yeah they're too green. They're too new. <laughs> I cannot wait to track uh, Haru, Teo, and the Duke going forward. It's kind of my favorite little, little like sea story of like how do, what, how are they in and how are they out of the group? Yeah, how do they write them out of the script? <laughs> it's almost like the person who wrote this episode was like, really, I have to deal with those yeah. three too. <laughs> guys couldn't they just go to the jail <laughs> right <Come on. laughs> like what are they bringing to the table um so we cut then so it feels like the episode should end here right right and it would be great this would be a great ending and as i was writing my notes i kept thinking like okay well this is this has got to be the end but then we cut to another scene and we see zuko and Sokka uh walking through the air temple together and Sh- Sokka is clearly like showing zuko around and uh, just and- immensely awkward yep Yep, and, and showing Zuko to what is going to be his room. And Sokka says, so here you go. Home sweet home, I guess. You know, for now, unpack. Lunch soon. Uh, welcome aboard. Yeah, like it's just, he's just like, I don't really know what to say. And then he goes out into the hall um, and approaches Aang and says, this is, this is just really, really weird. Like, I, I'm going to do this, but... So what I like is that they're not transformed into like, no, nah, we're pro Zuko. He's like, I'll do it, but I, I trust, I trust Aang. Yep. Um, now, what else is what else is interesting about this is like, he is showing Zuko to his room in the Air Temple, which makes it feel like they're going to be here for a while. Like unpack, yeah. go ahead, you know. Like, so I'm, I'm that, that's something. That's one thing that I'm curious about. So uh, we cut back to Zuko in his room, and he's unpacking his bag. And he pulls out a picture of Iroh. And we see a flashback to, the again, the newly banished Zuko at the Western Air Temple. Uh, and he says, if I have to, I will spend every day of the rest of my life hunting the Avatar. I know it's my destiny to capture him. And we see Iroh put a hand on Zuko's shoulder and says, you know, Prince Zuko, destiny is a funny thing. You never know how things are going to work out. But if you keep an open mind and an open heart. I promise you will find your own destiny someday. And we fade back to present day Zuko and he's smiling at this memory. It's like the most gentle fatherly way to be like, that's not your destiny. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, he doesn't come out and say it because 
I think he knows he's not supposed to be the one to tell Zuko what his destiny is, but like you can tell even the week after the Agni Kai, he's like, This isn't this is not what you're meant to do. Right, right. And I and I love that that we get this mirroring of clearly that uh, a memory of that same same day and Zuko the memory Zuko holds on to initially is the moments of regret and pain mm. and now he's looking back at that basically that same moment and it's like and it's a warm memory of like mm. oh he actually knew I was on a path and he knew like you said he couldn't just tell me this is not your destiny instead he basically was like you're on a path and you'll figure your destiny out and destiny is an interesting thing and keep an open mind and an open heart um mm-hmm. so i like that we move from that sort of grown pain of mem of thinking of the memory at the beginning to that sort of smile that kind of warm smile of like yeah this like things are working out is kind of the sense you get so it should end there but there's more um that when when, when we come out of that flashback we see katara kind of in the background framed in the doorway to the room and she's looking at uh looking at him and katara it's a says great shot because i think we hear her voice first as he's like looking out and then the camera pans over so we're like looking at him in this simple room with just a bed and then the camera pans and it's like her dark figure a silhouette in the doorway and it's like how long has she been there right it's like she's been watching him have this pleasant memory Mm-hmm. And she says, you might have everyone else here buying your transformation, but you and I both know you've struggled with doing the right thing in the past. So let me tell you something right now. You make one step backwards, one slip up. Give me one reason to think you might hurt Aang, and you won't have to worry about your destiny anymore. Because I'll make sure your destiny ends right then and there permanently. And she walks away. And what I loved about this, I mean, in some ways it's like un-Katara. In some ways it's very Katara, right? Very protective. Mm. She's been burned by him before. But this is also Bloodbender Katara. Mm. Like, like I'm seeing, you see the, like, I feel like this scene plays differently knowing she knows that she has this unspeakable power. That mm-hmm. she, you know, and it, and it's, and so threats from her become very different now. It's like, this is not the, you know, get out of here or else, well, you should just get out of here. Now she's like, without saying it, I mean, well, she basically does say, I will kill you. you your destiny ends here, then and there yeah. permanently. And and we know she has the power to do it. She has a power he can't even imagine. Yep. You know, yep. so I was wondering, like, when stuff from the puppet master would kind of rear its head and we'd be, we'd be into like thinking about bloodbending. And I actually love the way they did this because they don't mention it. There's no Hama flashback. There's no mm-hmm. anything like that. But if you've been paying attention, like it is, that is so seated in there um, yeah. because what was Hama? Hama was somebody who was, who her and her family were damaged and injured by the fire nation and she could not get i mean not that she should have gotten over it but she she was incapable of getting over that trauma right and was going to punish people for it and now we're seeing katara express almost that exact same thought yeah it's a really powerful moment too because she's like i mean almost like the azula impersonation she's like 
the choice is yours. Like you, mm-hmm. it, this is up to you. I have this power looming over you and I can do it. I can exercise this at any time. The choice is yours. So tread carefully. It's ri- like written well. And it does seem pretty Katara. Yeah. And, and actually, I love that you bring up the Azul impersonation because this also, uh, to sort of go against my other point, or if it's with it, maybe she's showing herself that she actually does a good, a good Azula impersonation. <laughs> Cause yeah. that's what she's doing. Right. Like, I don't know that Zuko is capable of a real threat like this, um, yep. especially at this point, but Katara certainly is. Yeah. Um, so it also makes me think about Katara Azula interactions because now I start to think, and this is where we can maybe start to think about bigger themes and questions and where this goes mm-hmm. from here. Um, because the Fire Lord made it through the Day of Black Sun, yep. um, now I'm thinking about endings of big stories like this with climactic battles and things like this. And, you know, you think about like the Battle of Hogwarts and Harry Potter and mm. like everybody gets their hero moment and who gets to like. So presumably Aang gets Sozin. Like the show is set up for that. Maybe right. Aang, maybe Aang and Zuko get Sozin because the show is maybe really set up for that. Maybe you know right. something like that. But then you have have Azula as like a uh, a slightly like sub boss mm, to, yeah. to defeat, and it's like, oh, is that going to be? Will Katara get Azula? Will Will Sokka get Azula because of? Um, Suki will Suki get Azula? Will Suki and Sok mm. like, like again? So now I'm also trying to think like, are there other like boss type figures that we have? Because we have such a big cast on the like hero side. Like, how what is what are their hero moments going to be? Yeah, in those climactic battles, if they are climactic battles, this is also a show that could maybe show us that victory doesn't come through battle. Like I'm because mm. that actually feels like. Uh, an avatar and especially an air nomad avatar solution i would Mm. if this show manages to like resolve this without a major like a major cataclysmic battle showdown my hat goes off to it because like i am not somebody who would feel cheated by that i would feel like Mm. like you just you did it like that was awesome because that actually would be very fitting i don't know that i want to see ang like kill the fire lord i'm not really interested in that um so I'm really curious how these hero moments are going to look and, and, and who gets who gets to face off against who in those things. Right, right. Oh, I'm so excited, Sam. I know. I, so this so the last couple episodes, I like I remember those really well. So I'm going to I'm going to hold back. I'm not yep. going to say much. Yep. OK, so so <laughs> now let's uh, let's let's move away from that type of kind of end game speculation. Do you have thoughts mm-hmm. or observations in this episode? Mm, I like thinking of it in uh, in terms of memory and judgment. I think that that's that's really fitting. Um, I like the mirroring of Zuko and Aang, of course, but also Katara and um, Azula. Um, but in turn, I mean, I guess what we're moving towards is now he has a fire master, so he has to train. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> we still haven't seen him use fire since Zhang Zhang. Right, which is season one, right? I mean, that's yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes I forget it was all the way in season one. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see like what Zuko is like as a master because we have had a fun time like looking at different types of masters in this show. 
Um, we have Katara, who's more of like a gentle, um, like more about collaboration, more about like like a um, nurturing kind of teacher. Yes, yeah. and then you have Toph, who's like not nah, just push them in, and they'll like they'll they'll get it. <laughs> um, so it'll be interesting to see like what Zuko flavor. Yeah, that that was the number one question on my list was what kind of teacher will he be, and I'm I'm really excited to excited to see that. Um, another question I had: Will Zuko? Because there's still eight episodes left, right? So mm-hmm. Zuko is a character who has been spinning, like trying to I mean very Kylo Renny, right? Like 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 yeah. I I honestly wonder if if the it, when in the Force Awakens when Kylo Ren is introduced as a character like. Like really, did they have someone like Zuko in mind? Because Zuko is a great character, and it and it is the like always. You feel like they have made their decision this way, and then it goes this way. So like, will Zuko turn again and again, mm. or or like, or has he like come to terms with these things? Mm. And the truth is, like, I don't know. I feel like I can usually kind of predict the direction. If I am, it is a coin flip to me whether we just get this version of Zuko, or for all I know he becomes the fire Lord in a negative way. And then it has to be transformed. Like, I just don't know. I, there's this show's done so well with that character that I'm unsure. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's because the parts where he, I mean, now that we look at the seasons, we can see the, the narrative overall, but like in the moment when we watched Zuko alone, it felt like he had changed. And like, that was the end when mm-hmm. we watched the finale of season two and we, they have that moment with Katara and him together. Um, and, and it's like, Oh, it seems like he is going to do something good. And then the next scene he changes again. And it's like, what is like, what are the temptations that are still floating out there that could make him like deny the avatar? Mm. You know? Yeah. So, so, so I'm really curious to see how they choose to do that. I feel like they have, they can go in any direction and I'm, I'm on board for it. I wouldn't be disappointed either way. Um, mm. I'm curious just to see how the Sokka Katara, or excuse me, the Zuko Katara kind of relationship plays out. Will yeah. it be this, will this tension be there the whole time? Will they have their kind of connection moments? Will Zuko Katara shippers get moments where they feel like maybe they're winning for a while? Cause they could play up, that they actually warm to each other and that could create jealousy and ang, you know, it's just like, there's so, because we know that, that, that there is the pieces of that there that, Mm. uh, that we saw when they were in prison together, that it's like, yeah, there's, there's lots of, they have set up so many different directions that I think is really fun there. Will they keep concocting reasons to get rid of Haru, Teo and the Duke? (laughs) Like, is this going to be a running joke or, or, Will they at some point be integral to the plot or action of the story? Because like yeah. they clearly were not in this episode. Even if they had, even if they had created the B plot and put it in there, it still would have been let's get these folks off the. Because clearly they didn't find anything in the temple that mattered. Mm. Or in a future episode, they'll be like, "Oh, remember that episode where we were just exploring? We forgot to tell you we found this golden egg or something." Like it's like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> um. And I also think that they, at this point, they really can't travel the world, at least not as a team. So like how much of their time is going to be spent here at this temple? This seems like a good place to train. This seems like a potential. home base, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Will this be a potential rendezvous point for our our A-Squad heroes that we think we're going to connect with? Um, Yeah. 
the fact that there's a pie show table at the uh, Western Air Temple, will we see that in use? Will we see um, Aang and Iroh playing pie show? Will the White mm-hmm. Lotus, Lotus get introduced via that? Like, I, I'm just hoping, hoping, hoping. I also... Will the White Lotus strategy, if it is a strategy, because um, they they sort of Iroh has commented on that, but but then when we saw them do the thing, it's like, are they actually playing the game, or is this just like a code, or is it like an actual game strategy that then they will use in real in real life? I would love that in kind of an Ender's gamey sort of way, like lots mm-hmm. of cool stuff potentially there. Um, last question. Uh, and I, and you have to answer this. I need I need oh, your no. opinion on no no don't worry. Okay. I need your opinion on this. Combustion man, is he good at his job? Is he a paper tiger? <laughs> man, the guy was dedicated to the mission. And seems like the most powerful person we've encountered. Like more powerful than the fire lord. Yeah. So I mean, I guess like I don't begrudge him for being like, yeah, I'm gonna just uh be a, like a mercenary <laughs> like if if you're the most powerful person like okay no no but 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 the thing is he didn't do he didn't succeed and then he blew That's himself true. up and it seems like if you <laughs> tap him on the forehead he dies is he good at his job or is is he just like somebody who looks threatening but is easy to just sort of push over yeah right like it's like didn't he foresee this weakness also like couldn't i mean couldn't he have had something to protect his eye <laughs> This yeah, like like, eye, like, right? like wear a helmet and then take it off only when you need to shoot. Or, yeah, I yeah. mean, I guess it's like a kind of a tell to like always have to take off your helmet, but it's better than like... But he's often shooting yourself. from the distance, you know, when somebody is, you know, True. not... Yeah. I'm going to say not great at his job. <laughs> I'm going to say even the best have their bad days. Okay, so we just saw him on his worst day. Yes. <laughs> that okay. ended up with him dying. Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty bad day. Happy to see him go? Yes. Yeah. I'm I'm yeah, I am. Probably I think like my least favorite character? Yeah, like they didn't they, they didn't build him out at all. Like we don't know anything about him. He just kind of seems like a machine more than a person. So like, yeah, it's it was a story arc and it's done. <laughs> Right, and I'm sure I'm sure there will be no more. I'm sure there is not Combustion Man backstory. I'm sure there's not like a Mandalorian style sideshow of the Combustion Man, yeah. just like a Western doing missions and stuff. <laughs> um, but I don't understand what his power is. Yep, same. I mean, I understand. I, I understand what it is like destructively, but like, does anybody else have that power? Right. Is it? I mean. It's firebending, I guess. Even is that though? is like, I don't really know. <laughs> um, he just seems like he the... should be one of the most powerful people in the world. Yeah. But he's just like a mercenary, like, like assassin guy. Right. And it's like what, um, the one way I could be like, you know, maybe he's has some special like spirit realm something, right? Like who knows? But then it seems like him, his death was like so far below like a spirit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I, I'm I happy they, they didn't got rid really of him. need him. Honestly. Like I, I don't know that they, they had to build up more, more crimes against, 
uh, past Zuko, right? But like, I don't really know that he was that necessary to the plot. What do you think? Oh yeah, I mean, I, I unnecessary, but that's. I think that I like that they that they dispensed with him relatively quickly because every time he showed up, it was just sort of like either he. The problem is either he's easy to kill, which it turned out. Or, or he's just like super destructive. I mean, he's like a, it's mm. like a uh, uh, a football team that like is really good on offense and terrible on defense. So it's like, <laughs> you know, they 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 can they can do a lot of one thing, but they but they're they're slanted way too much in that direction. And again, because he doesn't talk, because there is no connection, to, he has no connection to the world really, and because his powers don't even seem rooted in anything else we've seen he's just yes. kind of confusing yeah but I, at the other on the other hand it does open the door up to like maybe there are other things in this world that's yeah. what i was thinking too like maybe there are other people like him mm-hmm. or with similar kind of like hybrid bending mm-hmm. powers and th- i mean even at the start of the series we didn't know blood bending existed we didn't know metal bending could happen and those things have been revealed so who knows but those things seem related i mean because it's like well well blood is a liquid which means there's probably water in it and and metal like if you think about earth metal comes from the earth so those seem like high levels of something we know he seems like something else now i will say the character he i think he connects most closely to and this sort of fascinates me is the other character who seems somehow not associated with the things of this world is the guru mm. like the guru like what nation or tribe is the guru from well yeah. i don't really know it's same with combustion so it makes me think like are there some of these like s- other special figures in the world who seem to, to almost transcend the the walls built up between the different nations and things like that. So in one of I mean, one of them is more destructive. One of them is more spiritual, but it's like, but mm. it is interesting to think about. I'm glad we didn't get too much into him. And I, I would like to know more about the guru and I, maybe we will, maybe we won't, but I agree. Yeah. I was, <laughs> uh, my husband, Mike and I just watched Phantom Menace you and I have been talking about the Phantom Menace because we're both mm-hmm. listening to the same podcast. And uh, they talk about what makes Darth Maul a really good villain. And part of it is like, you don't really need a backstory. Like, <laughs> sometimes right. you don't. For some people, you do. Like, we need it for Azula. We need it for the Fire Lord. But for someone like him, like, he's just kind of got his brute strength. He's just, he's, like, again, like kind of a mini boss that needs mm-hmm. to be defeated. Like, we really don't need to build it out. That's that's so right? fascinating because he he is actually a lot like Darth Maul. He yeah. l- kind of looks compelling and interesting. You don't understand fully his power, what he is, who he is, and he just dies pretty quickly. And you're like, oh, yeah. okay. So that seemed like that seemed like this really powerful person, but maybe they're inessential to the world. Yeah, like he's almost just a distraction for a bigger evil. That makes me like him more as a character. Yeah. Yeah. Now that you see him as Darth if, Maul. If I think about him like Darth, because I, I Darth Maul was like one of the better parts of the Phantom Menace. And I do kind of like the mystery. And I do I genuinely like the idea that maybe there's more to this world. Like maybe th- 
through the evolution of their culture, people got really caught up in these mm. four elements and bending and dividing mm. along those lines. And it's like, maybe there are other ways to understand the world. And maybe he is part of that. Maybe the guru is part of that. Maybe the white Lotus is part of that. Mm. So you know I'm what? on board. Yeah. And, and uh, this podcast isn't about me, but I would like to just note that I just made a star Wars reference and didn't mess it up. No, it was a great one actually, and it it right? turned me it turned me around on Combustion Man, and I'm here to say, Combustion Man, good at his job. I will I will. <laughs> I will say I accidentally called the movie Phantom of the Menace um, like a day ago, so I, I I'm just proud that I made it through that little conversation without messing it up. Yeah, a little dodgy preposition here and there never <laughs> never hurt anything. Well, Annie, that's all the time that we have. Um, we started this uh, wondering what we were if we were going to have a lot to talk about, what we were going to talk about. I actually think this is this has been interesting because what we're trying to get at is we acknowledge this is a really, really good episode and it was digging in and trying to figure out why is this so good? And I, I think mm. I, so I will say after having this conversation, I feel like I have a better sense of how this episode functions in the show, why it's important, why it's good. And, and I love, this is one and this, you know, a story's good if you can get this deep into it and feel like, I feel like anything could happen now. Yep. You know, that it, it oddly, it feels like, like the, the options aren't narrowing. They feel like they got wider now. Yep. So I'm yep. very excited to see where this goes. Um, thank you for listening to this. You can always email us channel 3900 at gmail.com. You can go to avatar with academics.wordpress.com uh, to visit our site. You can find all, all of our old episodes there. It's been fun to watch podcast numbers uh, um, on avatar with academics because it is not, uh, it's pretty. It's not pretty. It's very evergreen. Like it's like this isn't rooted in talking about current events. That it's fun to look back or to look at a given day and be like, oh, somebody went and listened to this particular episode, or I'll mm. see I'll see downloads from the beginning of the series and realize, oh, somebody's starting it. That's kind of cool, you know. And then to yeah. kind of track those people through. So um, I have been really pleased. So I, I know people are out there listening. Uh, if you are, uh, send us an email, channel3900 at gmail.com. Uh, we would love to hear your thoughts, especially as we're getting towards the end of this. Um, uh, yeah, I just, I'm really curious to hear people's reflections on, on the show. And, and Annie, we're getting close to the end of, uh, to the end of Avatar. And, you know, I think we need to think about ways to kind of send off. Uh, yeah send off the show too so um yes it's, there's going to be definitely a hole left when this is gone now it'll also be opening up a lot of time that gets spent on this <laughs> um which i'm excited about but i but i will feel like like i will miss this as a a place to focus some attention and thought so i, I really yeah. this has been valuable and fun for me for sure i think we uh we'll have to come up with a way to commemorate the end but uh yeah it's it's not a goodbye. It's a see you later. <laughs> yeah, and we're not there yet. We still have eight <laughs> episodes left. Um, so that is all that we have for now. But we will be back next week with Book Three Fire, Chapter 13. The Firebending Masters.